0: Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikhil Croce and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Jessica Urquhart and Jess is a decision empowerment coach who helps her clients navigate big changes in their lives. Before becoming a coach, Jess held various roles in corporate finance and has found the combination of her professional and personal experiences offers her clients a unique perspective about the importance of investing in themselves. Welcome to the show, Jess.
1: Thank you so much, Nikki. I'm so excited to be here with you today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really happy that we had the chance to connect. I felt really rejuvenated after our conversation when we originally spoke because the timing was quite impeccable with my leaving my full-time job in tech and you, your own experience um, really aligned with that. One of the first questions that I want to ask is something we discussed a little bit, but I'd love to provide some context to listeners is how you ultimately became a decision empowerment coach. I want to get into what that means, but also sort of what was your journey from corporate finance into coaching? Cause that's a quite a transition. I think most people would say.
1: Yeah, awesome. That's a perfect place to start. So I'll just frame what is a decision empowerment coach. So you gave the introduction, I essentially help people process through decisions to make major transitions or shifts in their lifestyle, career, or business, and to help them leverage their full potential to make choices that are really in full alignment with their core values and their deepest desires. From the empowerment aspect, that's really an element of honoring the experience of being human as we process through these decisions. So kind of serving those brain cravings that we have for our next steps to make sense, so to speak, logically, and also honoring the emotional and physical needs for our choices to feel good Yeah. Also amplifying and creating space for that quiet inner voice of wisdom to be amplified and speak up. It's always kind of nudging us toward greater joy and happiness. So finding opportunities or helping clients create opportunities that bring all of those pieces together so that people can make decisions that they're super excited about so that they can embark on their next phase of life
0: feeling great i think that's so important to acknowledge that that element of joy that you include as part of the work that you do so much of what we think sometimes when you consider coaching is very specific being driven toward this is the end goal this is what i'm trying to get to and having a finish line right but joy and just emotion in general is very transient. So it's nice to be able to think about it in terms of how do you find ways to find continuous joy as you're embarking on that journey, as you said. So I do want you to share more about your story, but I really like the way you frame that.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. It is a continuous journey. It's a journey. It's
0: a no join. Oh, wow. It's a new word. We just coined <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> join it all together. It's joiny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So working in corporate finance, one of my specialties, I worked in renewable energy finance, and one of my key roles was to help board members and executives to make decisions about where they were going to invest capital and to build projects and how they were going to create value in the renewable energy space. Taking a lot of data and analyzing that, but also like understanding what that meant, the underlying story beneath that and helping to kind of uncover those hidden messages of where the value was and where the risks were and understanding how those elements lined up with the key objectives and the values of the companies that I was working with. So when I decided to become a coach and I was thinking like, how can I really best serve people with the skills that I already have? It took a lot of, you know, thinking on that and exploring different ideas, but ultimately what I realized is that so many of those key principles that I was able to apply from that process of advising in the corporate space are very relevant to just everyday life, but we don't really tend to think in that kind of structured manner. You know, like 80% of our decisions most of the time are like riding an emotional wave, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, 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 that's fair. So finding ways to bring in a little bit more of that structure to help people be more intentional with their choices, but also, you know, from a coaching aspect, bringing in the heart and soul that's missing in that corporate space. I love the ability to combine all of those interests and skills and passions into one place and use that to support other people in creating lives that really are, more fulfilling
0: something that you said that really resonates is putting that heart and soul back into the business side of things having worked a corporate job for most of my life that resonates a ton because you i think it's very easy to become lost in the um the tactical asks of what your day-to-day is right we're constantly thinking i've got to get to another email i've got to make this call i've got to do this i've got to do that these objectives have timelines and There's downward pressure and you just go into a space of execution with maybe not a lot of analysis about what That's actually doing for you, and I think from an employment perspective, I'm curious your thoughts on this, especially given the state of the world right now, where a lot of people are leaving their jobs, they're trying to find fulfillment elsewhere, they're maybe starting their own business. We realized potentially, I don't know, maybe it's something we're also realizing now, is that we're so prone to give to businesses without hesitation because it's sort of like that's the expectation—you go and you work and you do that, so you have a job and you can feed yourself and you have health insurance and all this good stuff, but we'd get on this conveyor belt and we go do that thing without necessarily questioning, is this what I want to do? Is this where I want to be? Are these the people I want to surround myself with? And it's easy to kind of get bogged down in like a life that you didn't really build for yourself, but just that you followed a path into that life. Do you feel like that's an accurate summary of sort of like our issue with having some of that heart and soul in business is that it just feels so almost commoditized?
1: Yeah. I mean, commoditize is a great frame for that. It is a commodity and time is the commodity that we're all giving, right? As you're giving more and more of your time, you're giving less and less space to your own self to really step back and reflect. And to acknowledge what's happening, we get so caught up on, you know, meeting the objectives and achieving the goals and helping other people or making sure that everyone else is supported. And then by the end of the day, there's just really no space left. If you have time to exercise, even that's awesome. You know, eat, exercise, sleep, wake up, do it again, and just try to feel good about what you're doing. But I think you mentioned this recent Great resignation that we've all started to experience from this space of everyone being forced to stay home and slow down for a little bit. And it's that space, it's that time that we then have again to sit and sit on the couch for a minute and not do anything and be like, wait, what's happening here?
0: Yeah, it forced us into a different mindset that then exposed, I think, a lot of the boundaries that we had allowed to be crossed, Um, without really ever considering the consequence of that. We just show up every day, we punch the clock, so to speak, and then we get our paycheck and we feel like we're doing a good job if we get the promotion and we're moving seemingly forward. But sometimes it's, you're, for me at least, being in a corporate job, it was like, Yes, it was great if I had the opportunity to have growth within a business. But at the same point in time, I think the reason I got to this place in the last role that I was at was I just realized that there was no promotion that was going to happen that was going to make me feel better about my job. There was no amount of money that was going to be the right amount of money to make me stay and feel good about it to that point, right? Like you could throw, I'm sure, a giant pile of money at me. And if I weren't self-aware enough at this point in my life, I probably have been like, cool. I will do that. I would like that pile of money. In fact, that's how I got to Seattle. Thanks, Amazon. But like, that's also the place where I realized that I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And that I, not where I realized, but I acknowledged like very fully that I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And it takes a toll on you. So I'm curious for you, you know, how does your emotional, mental, physical well-being overall now in this new role that you have, being your own boss, being a business owner, helping other people navigate these paths, how does that all compare to when you were at your corporate job?
1: I don't want to disillusion anybody because I I think that when I was in the corporate space in terms of emotional health and mental health, I definitely was drained and felt unsupported in many ways and unfulfilled. And just kind of like constantly stressed. And and also from a physical aspect, like I didn't really give myself time to exercise. I didn't prioritize that. And the stress just like really built up in my body. And so it got to a point one year where I was just so tight. I ended up throwing out my lower back and I really could only function by laying flat on the floor for like weeks at a time. It was pretty bad. So it was
0: just stress well to your point sorry to interject real quick i mean to your point i think about that when i'm not active enough because your body not only is retaining that stress but like the motion itself helps regulate you too so it's like the combination of things where you're dealing with the stress just on the physical implication of that but then the physiological side of it that like just wears even further when i left my last job i was literally nauseated on like a daily basis just from all the stress you know it's like what's the consequence of giving up those parts of yourself you can't be a fully functioning human being when you're laid out on your floor for weeks on end and for that to be stress induced as human beings we shouldn't accept that and thank you for letting me interject but i just i that really says a lot about how you Came to this decision for yourself, too, right? I'm sure that had to have been like a moment in time for you.
1: By the time I decided to leave my career, I had gotten to a point where I was pretty good at setting boundaries and delegating and creating space for myself. Like I had processed through enough of those challenges that I had figured that out.
0: You were ready to leave the relationship?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, I have the position, I have the autonomy, I have the finances. At that point, I also had the personal relationships that I had been striving for. And still it was just like, what more does it take? I had a bit of a midlife crisis and went and bought the car in my dreams. It wasn't a Lambo or anything, but it was like, you know, I did all of those classic kind of trying to fill the gap type things. And it just wasn't, it wasn't there. So that's when I was like, okay, I really need to make a shift. Yeah. I said earlier that I didn't want to dis illusion anybody because being an entrepreneur is a whole other set of emotional, mental, and physical impact. So it's not necessarily that all of those things went away, but like from the emotional standpoint, it's it can be like heartbreaking to put all of yourself into your work. And then maybe you don't get the response or the feedback or the clients that you're looking to work for, or, or someone doesn't say thank you when you work all work. Weekend yeah. doing something, but it's different because like the work that you're doing matters to you and you are gaining so much from the experience from like a personal growth perspective that you can find ways for it to still be worthwhile. And, you know, for like a a health perspective, like physical health perspective, I still have to kind of challenge myself to put myself into physical activity because I will be so prone to just get so immersed in my work. There's still an element of working towards balance as an entrepreneur, but the benefits are different. The benefits are so much more fulfilling and it's still challenging, but the payoff feels so good.
0: Well, yeah, because it's a more direct personal payoff, right? It's not just, okay, I have to do this work because the company needs something from me, which is serving their greater good. And especially if you're at a large company, I mean, I even I feel like if you're high ranking in successful companies, it's not necessarily personal still. Making sure that you're checking the boxes instead of, giving yourself, as you said, the space to look inward and really evaluate, like, is this satisfying the greater need that I have as a person to feel fulfilled or to feel connected to myself or to feel connected to a mission or a purpose of some kind when you made the decision to transition from your corporate career into coaching, what was the journey like to, to get there? Like, how did you land on coaching? I guess is the first question.
1: Yeah, it was not linear by any means. (laughs) Um, Definitely not a direct path. And so I came to the realization that I needed to do something different. And I acknowledged this growing desire that I kind of knew had been building for a while, but I had never really voiced it or given it any space that I wanted to own my own business. As I spent more and more time working in corporate and climbing the corporate ladder, so to speak, it became disheartening to see how much of the work that I was doing and that I was asking my teams to do was more of a political agenda, like a personal political agenda for people that were making those like high-level decisions and putting the pressure on. And it was Empire necess- builders. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't their own empires. You know, it wasn't, I worked in renewable energy and I thought that being in an industry like that would be more fulfilling. But at yeah, the end of that. the day, it's still making money for
0: shareholders. That's an important thing to to comment on, I think, because I worked at a majority of my tech career in HR technology and when I was doing that, I felt like, well, I'm working on things that can help people get jobs. And I've been unemployed and I hate that feeling. And so I would go into these meetings and I would be like, I don't want candidates to to feel like they work here and they hate their job. Like we need to think about what can we do upfront to figure out that these are gonna be better jobs to fit them because then it's not only good for us in terms of retention, but it's good for them too. It's like a win-win. But people with political agendas in business, Don't give a shit about that. They're like, no, that doesn't satisfy our needs or shareholder needs and the immediate term, right? And I think that's part of it too. So you have this hope that what you're doing can be more philanthropic or like morally aligned to you. But at the same point in time, those are things that are so removed from your own ability to control that you don't, for me anyway, it was more like trying to convince myself that what I was doing was enough for me. Did you feel that way at all?
1: Yeah, and I love what you highlighted. You're kind of so far removed from the impact when it, especially in a large corporation. And it truly, I don't want to say that all corporations are bad because we need corporations in the services that they provide and the good that they do provide. But there is also just this like other side of that growth and serving that requires, you know, some churn of money and you need investors and in order for shareholders to buy in, they need to know that they're going to get money back. It's just kind of a a fact.
0: Yeah, it's a cycle.
1: And it's where we are. And people that enjoy working in corporations, that's amazing too. If you can find ways to get fulfillment out of those roles and those positions and that value that you provide. Thank you for being those people that can do totally. that. For me, I was struggling with that distance from the impact. So becoming a coach was like the most direct impact that I could make on someone's individual life. Like I could impact my team and I could influence the team and I could support them, but it was always from this like shielded corporate frame where there was this underlying agenda and Now as a coach, I can just serve the people for the people, you know, what it is that they truly wanted to do. So that was like the most compelling aspect of becoming a coach to me was the immediate direct impact person to person without an agenda. The agenda is the person.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that perspective, Jess. It's valuable. I had taken this purpose profile assessment when i was working at a company where one of my friends had recommended it because she worked in performance management and she was like check this out it's kind of cool the way this company is trying to help people build better teams by really sort of diminishing the idea of groupthink by like having more balanced teams based on people's perspectives and not doing it in a way that's personality tested but it's genuinely like how do you like to make an impact so when you were speaking to that specifically it really struck a chord with me because for me as well i'm very impact driven and i'm impact driven at a societal level and so it's like i love making an impact on an individual level i also have this like need for and desire to be able to proliferate that impact and not for the sake of credibility at um at large we think about these big companies and they're making these really big impacts but you're so removed from it as you said and then you step away from that and you're like i can stand here sit here one-on-one with somebody and be able to really learn about them understand them help them cultivate the life that they want to live and for you to wake up every day knowing like you're going to see some sort of outcome from the effort that you've made. I totally understand how that's such a value add for you in, in fulfilling your purpose and also feeling that sense of joy that you talked about because it's really beautiful when you witness people in their stages of personal growth as well. When you're working with clients, do you find them resistant at all to kind of that, that shift in perspective if they're making those big changes? I know for myself, like I've felt, Resistant to certain change over time, but then I learned you basically have control over nothing. So you may as well just, just, just take it on the chin if it doesn't go well, and try to figure out, you know, what the next plan looks like.
1: Totally, there's the resistance is so often there. In fact, it's rare for there not to be resistance. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be seeking out some help because some of the conflict and the tension that they're experiencing, that's creating the frustration, is because of that resistance to that shift, that transition of kind of externalizing our power to really sitting within ourselves and acknowledging that we are the creators of our experience and we live among a greater experience, but our perception and our engagement with that is internally driven. It's not externally driven. And that's super hard to embrace sometimes. I I totally Resisted that when I first started working with a coach, I very much resisted those teachings. And it took me like many, many resources coming from many different directions that I took a long time to kind of develop respect for and honor for that to really settle in. And additionally, working with a coach was super challenging for me because I do not like being told what to do. I don't even like people checking in on me. You know, yeah. I will potentially not tell people what I'm up to because I don't want someone to be like, "Oh, how's that going?" I don't want to tell you until I'm ready to tell you. So, when I first hired a coach, those were like two very challenging things, and I was upfront with my coach about it and she thankfully was amazing and she was very supportive and found ways to work with me that I felt comfortable with and there's challenging conversations and difficult conversations in a, a coaching engagement, but She was amazing. And so that's something that I always try to keep in mind for myself because once you kind of make that shift, you almost sometimes forget that others, most other people are operating from an outside in kind of modality because that's how society teaches us. That's how most people are raised. That's often how even like religion is taught is from an outside in perspective, but the core of who we are the element the essence of who we are is inside and we have the outside influence it takes practice and remembering that and then once you remember that it takes practice remembering that other people don't remember that yeah and to have I- grace and patience for that and understanding and still love them and still embrace where they are
0: i love how you stated that i see it with myself in certain regards because i've extremely intentional about trying to understand myself and be able to articulate more effectively you know what it is that i'm feeling or what i want to do and show up better for myself and also in relationships and while it's not a coaching dynamic it's like i do have those moments sometimes where i'm like i need to be patient not everybody has done the research or the certain types of personal work that i've done and trying to teach by example, rather than like kind of condemning for, you know, being somebody being in a different space and maybe condemning like, like that's a little too harsh. I don't mean it that way, but just meeting people where they're at, instead of expecting them to meet you where you're at when you had a head start. Right. And you mentioned your own resistance. And I remember when we first spoke, you actually said that you felt a little bit of hesitation when you were trying to make the decision about becoming a coach and then you need to remind yourself how effective you found coaching um so can you share a little bit more about that because i think that's an important conversation to have coaches are in abundance right now right how great is it that there are a lot of people that want to help other people and the people who need guidance assistance that support system can get it and find somebody that like really fits who they are, hopefully.
1: Yeah. So there is an abundance of coaches. And I also think that's beautiful because that does mean that people can find someone that is a really good fit for them. It also means you might have to do a little bit of searching because you might have so many options, which can be a little overwhelming. But if you haven't found that person yet, I would recommend just keep interviewing coaches, keep talking to coaches because there definitely will be somebody out there that connects with you and that can challenge you in a way that you actually appreciate. So for myself, I mean, first off, I didn't even know that coaching was a thing when I was working in corporate, like coaching was something that the top level executives got behind closed doors. And that was like a privilege of being a C-suite executive. So once I kind of found out that was going on behind closed doors, I was like, well, that's pretty unfortunate. You know, there are so many young managers, new managers, people that are transitioning into new positions that like really need the support and help and guidance and Mentorship for developing into better leaders. And so when I started looking for a coach, I wasn't actually looking for a coach. I was just looking for someone who could maybe like help me figure out what I wanted to do for my next career. Because when I left, I knew, well, when I left, I had been working with a coach for at least gosh, it was almost a year. So I took a long time to kind of like figure out that I wanted to become a business owner. And my coach helped me realize that. And we worked out a plan for me to transition out of my career. But when I first sought her out, I was just looking for some kind of career guidance. So I didn't really like those personality tests. Every time I would take one of those assessments, it would like give you some ideas and it would either be like what I was already doing or nothing that I was interested in. So I was like, how can I actually feel fulfilled in my work? But I didn't know that coaches existed. I kind of stumbled on my coach. And then once I started working with a coach, because I had never heard of anyone working with a coach, I was like, and especially because she was kind of like a combo of a life coach and a career coach. And I was like, do I really want to be working with a life coach or tell anybody that I'm working with a life coach? Because to me, that was like, I'm not capable at life. And I didn't want to go around being like, I need help with life. You know, like it we just all need kind of... help
0: with life to be fair.
1: <laughs> You're so right though. We all need support and it's very much okay to ask for support. And it's so beneficial to ask for support. But in that space that I was in at that time, that mindset where, you know, it was all the external factors, like all of external perceptions were very important to me. So not admitting to other people that I was like feeling this like disconnection from the purpose of life or the meaning of life felt odd and strange and not comfortable. So I didn't talk about working with a coach and nobody else did that I knew either. And then once I did start working with a coach, I started kind of like hearing these references that like coaches get a bad name because it is unregulated. there might be a whole bunch of unqualified coaches out there, but uh, there's also so many very well-qualified coaches that have had like very impactful life experiences that have taught them so much and they have so much value to share. And I think the other attention area is like This distinction between therapy and coaching therapy is a licensed profession and there's a lot of requirements and training and especially around aspects of trauma that it is really important for a therapist to be well-educated and trained and practiced and mentored in areas where you're working with someone who is healing from some sense of not being whole as they are. And so- full respect and honor to therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, other helpers in the world. But what I came to realize is that if I can kind of like translate what helps me into almost like a sports analogy where there are coaches in sports, there are also medics in sports. If you get injured, the medic works with you. And that's how I think of therapy is that is a space for having somebody help you to heal where coaches are going to be watching your game and pointing out where the choices that you're making or the moves that you're making are not in alignment with what your objectives are. And that's kind of how it, it helps to frame for me.
0: Yeah, I like that a lot. I think that's a great analogy. With that in mind too, there's like an accountability factor, I think. With coaches, I guess as I was saying that, I was thinking, well, I mean, you have to be very accountable to yourself in therapy. Ideally, a therapist also holds you accountable to some degree to like process things and deal with your shit. But putting that aside, I think that when I consider coaching and I have some friends who are coaches, I've talked to people on the podcast and there's this sense of, when you feel like you you can't get there on your own like you need that extra boost you need somebody who's going to be in your corner who's going to help you navigate it help you understand what the best way to manage the specifics of your circumstances to get to where you want to go and i think that's what becomes really important and unique about coaching which is it is delivering value as you said earlier in a more intimate way when you're seeking to make real meaningful change for yourself, then you need to get comfortable with the discomfort. You need to sit there and be like, okay, I'm doing this for a reason. I'm doing this for myself. I'm trying to get to that next stage of my life. And even if I don't know what that is, it is such an important step to say that's what you want. And I hear a lot of similar content in what you're saying to how I have felt in my career, where you're just kind of waiting for something to ignite you again and if you just become complacent it's not unfamiliar for a lot of people and i one of the things that i had wanted to ask was what do you think or maybe from your experience know keeps people stuck in these old patterns specifically when it comes to that complacency
1: what I would say is that, you know, I wouldn't pretend to know what is going on in someone's own lived experience. We all have our own perceptions and our own reality lenses that we uh, live through. And we have our own histories and elements of baggage that we carry around. So everybody has different reasons for why they tend to get stuck. So that's exactly why the relationship is like customized and tailored because we're meeting people where they are and what we know is much more comfortable than what we don't know and so what we've already been doing is so much easier to just keep doing because it feels more comfortable than the scary unknown
0: even if we're miserable
1: (laughs) even if you're miserable
0: that's like like the crazy part it's like this would require change and i'm uncomfortable with change
1: (laughs) you don't know what it looks like
0: yeah totally And, and
1: the unknown is scary it's just scary at least for most people. Anyway, some people find it invigorating.
0: I think you have to be in the right headspace for that. Are you willing to take the risk with the ambiguity versus being maybe unfulfilled or unhappy in perpetuity because you're too afraid to make that change? And there's nothing wrong with having that fear. I think that's important to acknowledge. I think it's completely justified and normal because there's also the feeling of, well, what if I fail? I don't wanna do this or what if I'm a success and then I fail. You know, like there's so many things, imposter syndrome. The things that like just we spin our heads around and just get ourselves all freaked out about the unknown because we can't anticipate it. But it's like I've had points in my life where I think to myself, I know what tomorrow's going to be and I hate that. And the impetus for leaving my last job was I know that every single day at work, even though day to day tasks might be different, that the way that i feel is going to continue to be the same and i don't want to keep feeling this way finally something in me was like you're not going to do this anymore because you're unhappy acknowledge that and get over the fear you got to work through that because otherwise you know what the output of this compromising what i care about is going to be i don't want to be continue to be unhappier and unhappier as my life goes on i want to find a way and a path to that joy that we were talking about
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I totally agree. That really is the turning point is when the fear of things staying the same is greater than the fear of something new and unknown and just being able to step into that space. And that's the motivating factor then becomes like leaving something behind sometimes.
0: That's absolutely the case. And I think that sense of freedom that comes with that also Which can, to your point, also be daunting because now there's more responsibility on you to figure it out. Like when you're in a place that you're just doing what you need to do, you're not taking extra energy and applying that to like, well, how do I improve this? How do I change this? The overarching feeling is going to remain unless you make some sort of commitment to actually evolving either yourself or the position that you're in. and. I think a lot of people, at least, you know, I've worked with so many people at a variety of different companies and it's like, you keep hoping like the next job is going to be the thing, right? Or I'm going to change teams and then that'll be better. But when you have that knowing and you have that awareness that you need to make the change, it's almost to me, it's like insatiable. You just have to do it. There's no turning back. There's no pressing pause. If you decided you're going to put your foot on the gas, then press it. It's just See what happens. and do the best you can and the thing is in all of this the reality is that you can make the decision to go back to the thing that you were doing if you want to you can make the decision to change direction again if you don't like the direction you started going and I think really hitting home the fact that like you can always decide you want it to be different you know timing circumstance yes those things factor in but like at the end of the day there is free will in that
1: Yeah, you're reminding me of, I've been kind of toying with this phrase of choosing without deciding because to decide in Latin literally translates to cut off. So I think like people get anxiety over making big decisions because it feels like they are cutting themselves off from possibility or what they already have. But you can also just choose choose to go another direction and know that you can always choose again you can choose differently next time you can choose in another direction you can choose backwards if you want I mean not everything can totally be reverted back to what it was but there's this again going back to that element of finding your ability to create the world from within instead of from without, it's, or, yeah, from external, is this development of the self-trust. I find that when you're willing to leap into the unknown, it's because you have established some element of self-trust that you can handle what comes forward. And that's more of a transition from inside out thinking versus outside in, you know, taking ownership of your ability to choose differently next time or to choose again not necessarily having to cut yourself off.
0: I absolutely love that school of thought, Jess. I think it's really profound. (laughs) I love that you referenced the origin of the word decide also and so i do appreciate the understanding of that and it also is such a profound impact to hear that too because it's such a visual right it's like you're cutting off it's saying like nope that's what i've decided this is what it is you've made that decision now you have to stick with it and that's the only thing you can do and it's like that's not how life works in most cases i mean even just applying it because it's you're coaching absolutely from what we've discussed factors in a lot of professional life circumstances but it's not only you don't only coach for professionals navigating career changes so you have some versatility in that where I think a lot of times people they position themselves to be specifically a business coach or specifically a certain type of life coach and because you have this hybrid model of the really the benefit of your experience in business and in your personal life, I imagine there's probably a strong sense of accountability for yourself that requires that commitment to your clients. And so when you have a new client, what is that experience like for you? Do you feel like a sense of awareness when you meet them that like you feel confident you can get them to where they want to go? What is it sort of that helps you? formulate your choice to work with somebody that you feel like they, that they're aligned to the way that you would want to help them.
1: Oh, that's such a good question. And yes, well, first off, I'll say I have through like different coaches that I've worked with business coaches, marketing coaches, I have felt a lot of pressure to like really narrow in who I want to support, but also I have, I know that The framework that I offer is so adaptable and so it can easily accommodate many different types of transitions. And so if there is an interest and a willingness to engage, then I'm happy to work with life choices, career choices, business choices, because it's really my mission is to teach the framework, and then let the framework of the process of knowing how to make wholly aligned decisions, carry that person through the rest of their life in whatever other decisions they're going to make for transitions. That's my objective. Not that specific transition, that's where we start, but the process lives on, the learnings live on in their own way as they become applied.
0: I like the way you said that they live on. It seems so simple, but it's Absolutely accurate. It's important that you're building those relationships with that sense of trust, right? That people are seeing the results. And then they're able to say, okay, well, when our engagement is over, I can still walk away feeling a sense of accomplishment. And you mentioned earlier, this trust in yourself. And I want to circle back to that for a second, because I feel particularly inclined towards that statement with my own life and decisions that I've had to make both professionally and personally with work it was always really straightforward for me in the sense of I could wake up and I'd know I was miserable at a job and I'd just be like fuck it I don't want to work here anymore and I'd start looking and try to find new opportunities and eventually I would migrate to a different company that was one of the benefits of being in tech is that there are an abundance of opportunities in a lot of cases and at the same point when it came to my personal life i was very unhappy for a very long time but these insecurities that existed within me were very powerful in terms of convincing me that i couldn't trust myself and not because i didn't know like i always talk about this in therapy and to anybody that i'm having this conversation with really just like there was this like very physical knowing this awareness that it was wrong that i was with the wrong person that the situations that i was being put in were not okay and i talked about in therapy today where i was like i just I still have this sense of shame associated with it that made it hard to leave. And I think people also feel that professionally. It's like, well, I have a good job. I don't want to leave this thing because it would make me look some type of way. And I feel like the important thing that I was able to get to by the end of that relationship, which was incidentally when I was also leaving a very toxic work culture, And I will compare these things. I will say to people, leaving that job was like leaving the narcissistic abusive relationship that I left because I didn't feel valued, I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel understood, and I didn't feel cared for or empathized with. When I exited those situations, one of the things that my therapist said to me was, one of the hardest things that you're gonna have to do coming out of this relationship is really giving yourself time, space to re-establish your sense of self because you've been in a relationship where you've been constantly manipulated and taught to not trust yourself but in a way that like was so subtle that it was sort of this prolonged distrust that i was breeding in myself over time not to totally derail into that the relevance coming from a place of it's like you you need to step away so you can see it more clearly and so you described leaving your job, having a plan to leave your job. And it's so it's a process and to understand that it's not always just going to be flip a switch and now I'm on to the next phase of my life. You are allowed and you should think about what that means and process it and give yourself space to be, you know, compassionate for the things that you've been through or the experiences that you've had. And one of the things that really connected with me in your program, how you operate your business specifically was you make mention of really wanting to help people also connect with nature and embody themselves in in the world outside of our day-to-day living and just like really come back to who we are and i think that aligns a lot with for me being able to get to a place of self-trust because when you just get rid of all the clutter and you sit with yourself and you just imbibe the energy around you from nature i find that so Rejuvenating. I find it so fulfilling and it has allowed me to get to a place where I have the clarity to come back to like who I am and what it is that I need. How did you find your love of nature and your exploration to help cultivate the vision for you moving forward?
1: Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for sharing that personal experience of just kind of the the transformation that occurs when you're going from one space to another and then that like undefined goo in between that is like what is this and I find that just as you described you know spending time in nature kind of provides this environment where so much of our lives we are kind of like adding and adding and adding layers of whether it's like expectations or just like noise or material items or relationship needs and things like that. But when you get into nature and you take the time to just quietly sit or to observe, you have the opportunity to notice how the plants and animals that are innately thriving and where their only role is to be. We don't have expectations of a tree. We see a tree and we appreciate the tree for what it is. Now, I'll use this example. I do not have children. I have decided that I am not going to have children. And I have been challenged at times to think, well, as a woman, if I am not going to have a child, what does that mean? What does that mean for my life? What does that mean for, you know, the value that I am going to create and leave in this world?
0: I understand that my partner and I talk about this a lot because we are, we will remain childless. I respect that a lot. You're among friends in that regard. Trust me. We're very much fans of being the fun <laughs>
1: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for relating and, and sharing that uh, community with me. And okay. so I think when I was, um, you know, I, I was referencing the tree, but I don't judge a tree by whether or not it produces a sapling. So why would I put that on myself? You know, I don't need that in order to be of value and to, to have worth. Like my purpose in life is to be alive and to the extent that I can create joy and share that joy and help others experience joy like that's my mission but (laughs) whether or not I do that that's life life is being and so I find that reminder very present and readily available to reflect upon when in nature because everything else around me is doing exactly that and it's beautiful so I find the beauty in that
0: i just love that sentiment so much um it's something that i will very much remember and come back to in this episode i think it's such a an eloquent way of really getting to the core of who we are and giving attention to that just the simplicity of just being like you said we keep adding things and we like thrive on complicating our lives and it becomes so i think disorienting when you have so much going on and you don't make time for yourself and you feel that there's a genuine sense of you said earlier a disconnect and when you get to a place where you're ready to make a big transition at least in my experience i feel like part of that is you feel the disconnect and You are seeking to feel connected again. Sometimes that's with yourself, sometimes that's with other people, but to me, that almost always is the catalyst for a significant change in life is being like, I don't feel connected either to somebody else or to myself or both. Do you think that's something you would agree with? How do you feel about that?
1: I think that's perfect. And that's a beautiful way of phrasing it. And it's one of the major challenges that I experienced when I talked about kind of that period of going through a midlife crisis, it really was an existential crisis, I do not identify with religions, they don't resonate with me. So I don't I don't have that space. I felt like I was a grounded person but truly I didn't feel connected I didn't understand like what I was what it meant to be alive what's the purpose of being alive I kept looking for reasons and meaning and frankly I got like super super curious about astronomy so that I could for a long time the concept of space like thinking about the vastness and the unknownness of space just made me so uncomfortable. Oh, Jess,
0: Jess, we have so much to talk about beyond a podcast
1: episode. (laughs) So I leaned into it. I was like, why does this make me so uncomfortable? And it was because, you know, like I didn't feel grounded. I didn't feel connected. And so once I started dissecting kind of the understanding of the elements of life and where we all ultimately are sourced from, which is just this Energy and combination of matter that collides—that's really the essence of it. And so, getting comfortable with like why, and leaving that be, like as unknown. It's just unknown. We don't know. And so, we're here. We're lucky. We have this amazing opportunity to live life. But we can do with it what we want. Our our only purpose of being is to be, and that's all there is, and that's all there ever has been.
0: Yeah, it's just a great perspective. I also have to say, I appreciate that the moments where I've shared personal things with you, you have such a genuine look of interest and empathy and that you always express gratitude in those moments, which I feel inclined to acknowledge and say thank you for, because it just, you know, it said to me somewhat recently about like the way that I hold space for people and I. I felt that, that was such a great thing to hear. And I feel like I just, it's one of those moments where I just had to say it. I think people can take note of things like that, you know, when there's vulnerability and it doesn't need to be an expectation, but it's always nice when it happens.
1: Oh, Nikki, I, that really touches my heart so much. And thank you, thank you again (laughs) for, for sharing that, but. Really, I mean, I have been looking forward to this conversation for so long. From the initial outreach of when we connected, I just felt like, I don't know, like I appreciate the way that you show up and the purpose that you have with this podcast and giving a platform for people to share their stories and to make that societal impact that you see as so valuable and it is such a beautiful space you do an awesome job of holding space and I appreciate that and your vulnerable shares are like they really they mean something you don't know when we've talked about this before but you don't always know when your stories are going to hit somebody or land but someone somewhere is going to appreciate those shares for sure. And I certainly have.
0: Oh, thank you so much. That's so kind. So something that you mentioned that I really loved about investing in ourselves, because we spend so much time doing things for other people. And we were talking about a lot of people waking up to sort of the reality that maybe they're not happy. Do you see this as sort of a cosmic shift, so to speak, in terms of the way that people might operate moving forward i'm asking you to speculate this is your personal opinion but do you feel like a sense that maybe the way things are in the world especially professionally speaking but just in general too is driving more towards happiness and fulfillment rather than by external motivators
1: oh my gosh i hope so i hope so i mean they're definitely when we were kind of like in the thick of kind of the chaos of the pandemic i i wrestling with some fears, like okay like there's a major shift here you know like people want to work from home if you want to work from home like the world can still continue we have figured it out like this experience that we have the whole world has just gone through cannot be for naught we can take this shift and use it for the betterment of our futures and so when these opportunities to hold the ground and say hey like my time matters. I am not going to trade that commodity in the way that doesn't serve me anymore. So I want that time. This is what I'm going to make available to you. And we'll work it out. It's possible to work it out. I hope that people don't just kind of default back to that space. And I would certainly love to support anybody who is trying to kind of create that space for themselves and to find that opportunity for fulfillment that felt so unattainable for so long but we know it's possible now.
0: Yeah, 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 I love that you said that. I think that's incredibly accurate and you know, the point that you made, we have figured it out and it makes it so much more obvious that the conditions that we were used to were really rooted in the ability to manage and micromanage rather than effectiveness and you can't shield people from the reality of that anymore that's what's kind of fascinating about the world that we live in today is that you're not going to stop people from sharing knowledge you're just not and the more community that can rally around being more authentic showing more compassion having more respect for humanity at large like i i can imagine a better world where that shift is more permanent i think younger generations right now are really inspiring and inspired to make those changes which is great the fact that there are people like you out there who are helping people navigate these moments in life where we feel lost or we don't know really what the next stage looks like or to even understand ourselves just a little bit more with a a bit more clarity and a bit more conviction in being true to ourselves and that's a statement on the fact that just as humans we are really eager to make something more community-based out of the connections and the work and the drive that we have. When I really consider just how this has all come together in the conversation from Your start in corporate finance and heading to the coaching opportunities where you are now, how do you see your business and life evolving from here? Do you have any particular thoughts in mind about it? Or are you just kind of riding the wave? Because as we've established, you just never know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely leaning into the unknown. However, I do feel so wholly connected to the direction that I'm in. It feels fulfilling. It feels logical. It feels good in my body. And the inner voice of wisdom within me is constantly nudging like, yes, yes, yes. I don't know is the true answer, but I am on this path for as long as this path serves me. And it feels amazing where it is right now. And I'm gonna continue in this direction for as long as it's continuing to serve both myself and others. So I'm excited for that.
0: I love that, Jess. Thank you so much for chatting. And that's all for this episode of Who the Fuck. I really appreciate the time you took today, Jess. If you enjoyed our conversation today and want to learn more, you can visit Jess's website at is it altazcoaching.com And we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck, and if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated, and you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side.